Welcome to another Macquarie Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. Welcome to another Macquarie Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. Hello there, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. We've got a big treat for you today. We've got the Birmingham blockbuster Kirk McAteer preaching for us, international speaker. And just before I hand over to him, I just want to give you 10 fruitful facts about Kirk McAteer. He came to God in our church and married our youth pastor, Tracy. He helped Bruce when Bruce uh, took the church at Gateshead and became Bruce's youth pastor. He then became Youth Alive Director for The Hunter. He planted a church at Lambton. He became the Knights Chaplain and he's now the Birmingham City FC Chaplain. They launched out of a small church they took, Connect Church Birmingham City, that's now huge, and have just opened a beautiful building next door to Birmingham City Football Stadium. He's the regional leader for the AAG in his city. He was last year voted onto the national executive for the AAG and became the national missions director. And he's just been invited onto the Pentecostal World Missions Body. So that's all a big mouthful, but that gives you a great intro. He's a very special man and we love him. He's very lovable. Ladies and gentlemen, Kirk McAteer. Hi, Macquarie Church. It is so exciting to be with you today. My name's Kirk McAteer, and together with my wife, Tracy, we pastor Connect Church here in Birmingham, United Kingdom. But originally, we're from Newcastle. We moved over here in 2009. Our son, Josiah, then was only nine. Our daughter, Ruby, was only six. We sold everything and moved over to Birmingham to take on the church and to start this big adventure of God's story for our lives and for his church and for this city. And it's been so much fun. So we're Novocastrians, but we live in England. I was actually meant to be with you in person today. At the start of our year, we planned the calendar, and I was meant to be in Newcastle in person with you today. But of course, our whole world has changed due to COVID-19, and we're all living under restrictions of some sort. And uh, so my flights got cancelled. But the great thing we've discovered in this season with technology is that we can be in each other's churches and not leave our living room. How amazing is that? So we are really excited to be with you today. We love Macquarie Church, as well as pastoring the church here, uh, which Mark and Roz have visited several times. I'm also the chaplain to Birmingham City Football Club, which is a soccer team for those that maybe aren't aware. Prior to us moving from Newcastle to England, I was actually chaplain to the Newcastle Knights in 2006 and 2007 season. For those rugby league buffs, uh, great game it is. It was the team with uh, Andrew Johns and Kirk Gidley, Steve Simpson, uh, Danny Badiris, Adam McDougall, um, to name a few. Wes Nagama, Aku Uate. So it was, a, it was a great team and, and it was a great role to have combining Jesus with sport it was awesome in fact I got to do some of the players weddings as well and so when we moved from Newcastle over to England it was my passion to still do sports chaplaincy and the church that we took on actually owned a block of land right next door to St Andrews Stadium and St Andrews Stadium is the home of Birmingham City Football Club so I had it in my heart to be chaplain there 
And by God's grace, he opened that door in 2013. And so I've been there for seven seasons now. And we've seen God do incredible things. I have a room next to the players' change room where I pray for any players that want prayer before a game. We have run small groups at the training ground. And just this year, prior to the restrictions coming into our in-person gatherings, we actually baptized two of the first team players who gave their lives to Jesus and got baptized. It was incredible, an incredible experience for our church and that ministry. So we are Aussie missionaries living here in the UK, and we have been supported over the years by Macquarie Church. And so we want to say thank you. We want to say how much it means to us to know that we've got a home church back in Newcastle that are there whenever we need help, that have been there cheering us on. It makes a huge difference. And Mark and Roz have been incredible mentors to us over the years. I ring Mark regularly and we laugh, we cry, we pray. And I don't know where we'd be without Mark and Roz in our lives. So a big shout out to Mark and Roz today. Come on, why don't you give them a big round of applause, a big cheer. We honor you and we say, God bless you. Thank you for the seeds that you've sown in so many lives, not just there in Newcastle, but right now across the globe. You are incredible men and women of God, and we love you and we honor you. And, uh, you know, as a, as a missionary, mission is in my blood. It's my passion. I, my passion is to see people discover their purpose and where God wants them to go in their world and make a difference. To mobilize every person in a mission is what I kind of live and breathe for. And so when we moved over, God didn't just call us to the UK, but to Europe. And again, by God's grace, he's been able to open many countries uh, of Europe to us to go and minister and do mission in over the last 11 years. It has been incredible. And also then in 2019, last year, our Assemblies of God, which is our denomination, a bit like your Australian Christian churches, we had a new leader appointed. And he asked me to join the national leadership team and be the missions director for the Assemblies of God, Great Britain. I know, crazy, hey? You've got an Aussie on the Great British team. Woohoo! Well, hey, listen, all Aussies are coaching most of their sports anyway, so why not the church as well? And so we've got about 520 churches, and we get to just inspire them and motivate them to make a difference in their world locally and globally. And then only a few weeks ago, I was invited to be part of the Assemblies of God World Mission Commission of the strategic countries around the world networking together for mission. So uh, it has been an incredible journey the last 11 years. But I want to bring you back to where it all started. And you know where that was? It was right where you are. Macquarie Christian Life Center, as it was called back then. That's where it all started. That's where God's story for my life really started. The corner of Macquarie and Wentworth Roads, Cardiff. The diff, as we used to call it. I don't know if you still do. I used to play touch football across the road. There were some soccer fields across the road, uh, down the hill, an old squash court. Again, I'm not sure if they're still there, but I used to play touch football. And then as I drive out, I would see this church on the hill. I'd had an experience with God earlier in my teenage years, but had not really followed him. And then when I was about 20, I fully surrendered my life 
to Jesus. I fully understood that he died on the cross to take away my mistakes, everything that would hold me back from a relationship with God, Jesus dealt with on the cross. And at that moment, my life was transformed. And so I thought, I've got to find a church. And so I thought, I know, I remember the church on the hill. And so I found myself walking into Macquarie Christian Life Center and my life was absolutely transformed, first by Jesus, but then the foundations of what Macquarie Christian Life Center did in my life. I remember the small groups. A, it was really good food and it was free for a 20-year-old. That's a bonus. Uh, but the teaching, I remember the youth ministry. I remember the praise and worship, the uh, carols on the hill, the 90 minutes theater productions. All of that became the foundation of what the story of of God's story for my life and our life as a family would then go on to become. And I want to just again thank Mark and Ros and Macquarie Church for being great mentors and part of that journey in such a massive way. I remember my first role in serving in church was cleaning the toilets one Saturday morning. Uh, the youth, the, the youth were used to uh, go on the, on the roster to clean the toilets. And I remember the youth leader at the time was this blonde-looking woman and her name was Tracy. This is going back in uh, 1996. And uh, so uh, Tracy, this blonde woman, she got my attention. And it took a little while, but eventually I got her attention as well. And in 1997, October, we got married and, and Pastor Mark got to officiate our wedding. It was uh, an incredible day at Trono. Toronto, that's where we got married. And, uh, and so that's been part of our journey. So Macquarie is such a special place to us. We love you and you're such a big part of our story. Uh, one thing, though, you might not know about Tracy's story is that I wasn't her first husband. And she was married and 18 months into the, into the marriage, uh, Ian sadly passed away. And obviously that was... Just a horrible experience for Tracy. Uh, Pastor Mark and Roz just walked her through that journey to which I'm incredibly grateful for them doing that. And so she found herself 25 years of age and a widow. But just before I turned up, I turned up about 12 months later after Ian passed away. And in that period, a visiting speaker came to the church. I'm not sure if you remember this, Mark and Roz, but... Um, a visiting speaker and sometimes what God will do when a visiting speaker comes he'll give them he'll, God will give them like a message for a person about their future and so that's what happened this person called Tracy out and he and he said I see you've been in a winter season but I see you coming into a spring season and then he asked her do you have a husband to which Tracy obviously said no and he said this I see you ministering with your husband in the future. Well, Tracy burst into tears, as you could imagine, partly because of grief still, the process she was grieving, but also because in that moment, in that depth of despair, in that grief, in that pain, in that loss, that God would send a stranger and pick her out in the church meeting and basically remind her that God loves her, that God is her heavenly father, and that God has a redemptive story for Tracy's life, even in the middle 
of what looked like a horrible or what was a horrible situation. And I want to tell you today, no matter what situation you're in, if it's grief or loss or debt or pain, addiction, whatever situation you are in today, be determined to cling to God, to hang on to God and say, God, I'm never going to leave you because I trust that God has a redemptive story for my life. And that's the truth today. God has a redemptive story for your life and he wants you to find your place in it. And God, when he says it, he does it. When he promises, he delivers. Amen. And so for Tracy, 25 years of age, a widow, one of the books of the Bible that really helped her at the time was the book of Ruth. Because Ruth finds herself a young woman, a widow, and she ends up then getting married a second time to a man named Boaz. It's only four chapters. It's a, it's a short book. And so Tracy would say, she tells me this story now, she would say to her Christian friends that perhaps if they were going to a youth a live concert or they were going to a conference or something, she would say, I'm going Boaz hunting. <laughs> I'm going Boaz hunting. Obviously in reference to the fact that Ruth was a widow and she found her Boaz. So Tracy being a widow was going to try and find her Boaz. So if you want a title for this this sermon or message this morning i guess it could be called boaz hunting and so we see in the book of ruth and i just want to spend a few moments today looking at the book of ruth again like i said it's only four chapters it's an easy book to read through it's a great story if you've got a bit of time just sit down and read it grab a coffee and read it and let god minister to you through it it's a story of god's redemption it's a love story it's a story of how God cares for the brokenhearted. And it's a story where it reminds us that God can turn any situation around, no matter what circumstance we're in. God can turn it around because He is a God who redeems. And so the book of Ruth, we, it starts off with a woman named Naomi. And Naomi uh, marries Elimelech. They have two sons They're from Bethlehem. Bethlehem means house of bread. And so there's a famine, though, that hits the land of Bethlehem. And so they make a decision to leave Bethlehem and go to a place called Moab to leave the famine and get out of Bethlehem. Moab was about 80 kilometers away, and so they, they go on this journey. But sadly, things did not go well for Naomi. Things did not turn out well for her in Moab. Elimelech ended up passing away. Her sons, who had grown up by this stage and taken wives for themselves, they also passed away as well. What a tragedy. What pain, what loss, unimaginable grief that Naomi would have been experiencing in that moment. And then about 10 years later from that uh, tragedy, Naomi hears that there is now the famine that was in Bethlehem is now over. It's finished. There's food back in Bethlehem. The grain is growing again. The famine's over. There's rain. And so, so she decides, well, I'm going to go back to Bethlehem. I'm going to go back to my uh, family and my roots and, and where I'm from. And so she says to her two daughter-in-laws who have now grown up and, and with her, she says, hey, you go back to your family. Don't, don't follow me. Stay with your family. Stay in Moab where you can perhaps start your life again. 
you could find a new husband. You've still got a chance to have kids. Uh, you, can, you, can, you don't have to come with me. Where I'm going, I can't offer you anything. I don't have land. I don't have money. I don't, I, I don't know what lies ahead for me. And, and I can't promise you a future. So stay where you are and build a new future. And that's where we pick up the story. Chapter 1, verse 14. And this is what happens after she told the girls this. It says, At this they wept aloud again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Verse 15, Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and back to her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, listen to this, Don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go... I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die. There I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, even if death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined, everyone say determined. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined, to go with her, she stopped urging her. This was a huge decision. As you see, what we need to understand about the co context of the culture and the time was that uh, for Naomi and Ruth, it looked hopeless ahead. Because in the culture of the time, the men owned the land. They passed it on as an inheritance to their sons. And so women really had to rely on the men for provision and to be looked after. And so if a widow had no husband... And no sons like Naomi, they were poor and could only survive on the charity of people around them. To add to this, Ruth wasn't even an Israelite. They were going back to Bethlehem where Israel, Israelites live. She was from Moab. She was a Moabite. So this, what, her, the odds were stacked right against her from this moment. But what I love about this story, in this moment, at the lowest when Naomi even says, when she gets back to Bethlehem, don't call me Naomi anymore, call me Mara, which means bitter, for life has not been kind to me. In this place of bitterness, grief, loss, lack, what seems a hopeless situation, <laughs> we start to see God's redemptive story, God's turnaround start to unfold in Naomi's life and Ruth's life. It's better than a Cinderella story. You see, in Israel at the time, there was a law about a kinsman redeemer. What that meant was that uh, if, if there was somebody in the line of family of Elimelech that was still alive, then they could redeem the land that belonged to him. But it had to be somebody in his family lineage. And it was called a kinsman redeemer to inherit, to purchase back, to redeem that land. And it just so happened that Ruth started gleaning on the edges of a field that belonged to a man named Boaz. And it just so happened that Boaz did belong to the family lineage of Elimelech. And so he could be the kinsman redeemer to Naomi, Ruth, and change all things around. So Naomi crafts a dating plan. And Ruth follows this dating plan to a T. And it's quite a bold one because in the context of the time, literally what Ruth does is she 
actually proposes to Boaz. I know, radical, hey? And Boaz had heard of Ruth's loyalty to Naomi. Boaz had seen her hard working in the fields. Boaz had noticed her determination. And so he decides to marry her. Woohoo! Not quite yet. Not the, the wedding bells haven't rung yet. Just when you think it's going to all turn out like a good Cinderella story, happily ever after, there's a twist. There is someone else who is closer in line as a kinsman redeemer. There's a third person, like any good drama or any good rom-com. There's a, it's a love triangle. And so Boaz goes and approaches this person. And he says to them, hey, are you going to buy the land that belongs to Elimelech? If you do, you've got to purchase back Naomi and Ruth and any land will then go to their descendants. Well, the person who was the first in line, kinsman redeemer, he said, no way. I want my kids to have my land. I don't want it. And so Boaz says, well, if you don't want it, I'm going to do it. And he does this bizarre thing, which was kind of, well, it was what happened in the culture. He takes off his sandal. Now, I've got a, uh, not quite a um, Palestinian sandal here. It's more like a, a Novocastrian um, uh, thong, although we call them flip-flops here, okay? So, uh, so he takes off his sandal, and what this represented in the culture of the time, this was the contract. This was the transaction. This is basically when you take off your sandal and you give it, that's the exchange. And so he takes off his sandal and says, I will purchase them back. I will redeem the land. I'll redeem Naomi. I'll redeem Ruth. And so he hands over the sandal. The man takes it. And then Ruth and Boaz get married. Woohoo! <laughs> Not only do they get married, but they have a child. And so Naomi gets a grandson. What a great story. But wait, there's more. There's always more to God's redemptive story. In chapter 4, verse 17, it says that they had a, had a son and they named him Obed. And he was the father of Jesse, the father of David. Whoa, hang on. Let us get our head around this. Obed is the great-grandfather of David, King David, the same David that builds the temple. And God says, I will forever have someone from your family lineage sit on my throne forever. So basically what we're seeing here is the lineage that then leads through to Jesus Christ, who is our ultimate redeemer. What an incredible story. Ruth finds her place in God's redemptive story. That is not just about her life being transformed, but the lineage to come and a bigger picture of redemption. What an incredible story. And I want you to know today that our God is a God who redeems. There is no situation that he cannot redeem. There is no person that cannot be redeemed. We must believe that this is foundational to his character and his nature and his heart, that he wants to restore, he wants to lift up, he wants to redeem, he wants to turn around every person's life. And we see in the Bible another person who went through lots of challenges. His name was Job. He lost family members, wealth, health. And he was able to say this in Job 19 verse 25. I know that my Redeemer lives and I know that I will see God. The Hebrew word for that word that Job uses, Redeemer, is goel, which, which means, wait for it, are you ready? 
It means kinsman redeemer. Oh my goodness. Here is Job saying, I know you're going to turn it around, God. Only you, my kinsman redeemer, can turn everything around. We see the Apostle Paul writes in Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. He speaks of Jesus. He says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, a curse that was for us because it's written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that we might be redeemed and receive the blessings of Abraham through Jesus Christ, that we would receive by faith the spirit that was promised. That Greek word that the Apostle Paul used for redeem means to buy up, to ransom, to rescue from loss, to improve opportunity. And of course, we know that Jesus himself in Mark 10:45 says, The Son of Man came to give his life as a ransom for many. So, how, so what can we learn from Ruth's life today? Well, I want to tell you that she was determined. We read that in verse 18 of chapter 1. It says she was determined, that she clung to Naomi, and she was not going to let her go. She said, I'm going to go where you go. I'm going to live where you live. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. You aren't getting rid of me, basically, is what she's saying. It's a similar determination that we see in the disciples in John 6 when Jesus and a lot of the people following Jesus, some people are going, whoa, that teaching is way too hard, Jesus. I can't continue to follow you. And Jesus turns to his disciples and says, are you going to follow me? What about you to the disciples? And the apostle Peter in verse 68, he says this, Lord, where would we go? You have the words of eternal life. Oh, come on. That kind of determination that says, I'm hanging on. I'm not letting go. The definition of determination is wanting to do something very much and not allowing anyone or any difficulties to stop you. Come on. That is great determination. Ruth showed that determination to cling on to Naomi. And we need to cling on to God. We need to say, God, I'm determined. I'm not going to let anyone or any circumstance or any situation stop me from following you. And that kind of determination is what positioned Ruth in God's redemptive story for her life. And that kind of determination will position you and I in God's redemptive story for our lives. What we also need to remember, there was another sister in law there was another sister-in-law her name was orpah and we see that in verse 14 it says that orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye the name orpah actually means double-minded double-minded was she going to go was she going to stay what was she going to do and james reminds us in the bible james 1 8 it says that a double-minded person is unstable in all their ways scholars also suggest that it means neck or or stiff-necked and stubborn because she was not willing to go. And we see that right through Israel's Old Testament history. One of the things that defines them is that they were stiff-necked, they were stubborn. And because they would not follow God, they turned and worshipped and followed other gods. And so we see here that Ruth was determined, but Orpah was double-minded. And I really want to encourage you today to live determined not double-minded. Live determined like Ruth, not double-minded like Orpah. Because if we live double-minded, we risk. We risk turning away from God. We risk getting caught up with the stuff of this world and putting our trust in that. We risk missing out 
of finding our place in God's redemptive story like Orpah did. We, we risk kissing goodbye to God's bigger picture that he has for our lives, just like Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But I want to encourage you today, no matter, no matter what difficulties you're going through, no matter, no matter who the person is or what the situation is, that you have this resolve in your spirit, just like Ruth did that said, God, you're my God. I'll go where you say I'm going to go. I'll serve you all the days of my life. I'll follow your ways. Your ways will be my ways. Until I have the last breath in my lungs, I'm clinging to you. Because that kind of determination, that kind of passion that Ruth shows will be the kind of passion and determination that positions you in God's redemptive story for your life. Amen? Amen? Woohoo! Come on. So, hey, listen, I'd love to pray with you before we finish up today. So just where you are, just relax your shoulders, take a deep breath, and just allow the Spirit of God to come and minister to hearts today. I told you earlier that Tracy uh, said she was going Boaz hunting. Boaz, the meaning of the word of the name Boaz is strength. And so Ruth found her strength. She found her covenant. She found her marriage. She found her covering. She found her protection. She found everything in Boaz. And Boaz is a picture, a type this morning for us to understand that God is our covering. God is our covenant. God is our protection. God is our provider. God is our redeemer. And I really want to encourage you today. Go Boaz hunting. I'm not talking about a man or a person. I'm talking about go for God's best. Be determined to say, God, I want your plans and your purposes for my life. I want everything that you've got for me. Live determined. And of course, God's best for our lives is his son, Jesus Christ, for every single one of us. His Son, Jesus Christ, is God's best for us that God gives us. I mentioned earlier that when they did contracts and exchanges, that they had a sandal that they would exchange. And really what this represents, <laughs> this thong, it represents that Jesus came. This is what he did on the cross. He comes and he says, you know what? I'm going to give my life as a ransom, as a I'm going to pay the debt. I, I want to I redeem you. I want to save you. I want to rescue you. I want to turn everything around for you. And so I'm giving you my life. Will you receive the exchange? And just like the other gentleman had to receive the sandal from Boaz, for us to find our place in God's redemptive story, the first step and the best step is to actually receive the sandal of salvation, to receive forgiveness of sins by faith to enter into God's family through faith in Jesus Christ. And I want to just ask you this morning, would you follow him? Would you give your life to be determined to never let him go? No turning back, no turning back. And I'd love to just lead you in a prayer this morning. So where you are, just close your eyes, bow your head and, and just repeat this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are my Redeemer. I believe that you died on the cross as a ransom for me. You paid the price for my sin. And I believe that you came back to life 
that you are alive today. And by faith, I receive forgiveness of sins and eternal life. Come into my life. I choose to follow you, to cling to you all the days of my life. Amen. 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 Hey, if you prayed that prayer either for the first time or you're coming back into a relationship with God, please let someone from the team there at Macquarie know. And I'm sure they would love to help you on your your journey of finding your place in God's redemptive story for you and the impact that he wants you to have in the world. Hey, it's been so good to be with you, Macquarie Life Church. We love you. Thank you again for all that you've invested into us. You're, you're the seed that you've sown into us. We love you. We thank you. Hopefully next time we can be with you in person. That would be awesome. So Father, I just pray blessing on Macquarie Life Church. Let the grace and peace of Jesus Christ rest on every person right now. Father, let a strength and conviction rise up in every person that chooses to follow you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope you have enjoyed this message. For more information, please visit macquarielifechurch.com.au. Thank you for listening. We hope you have enjoyed this message. For more information, please visit macquarielifechurch.com.au.